0: Welcome to Firm Foundations, a ministry of the Fellowship of Evangelical Churches. FEC is an association of churches that work together to glorify God and to share His good news by establishing reproducing churches throughout the world. It was Jesus Himself who taught that we can stand firm on the foundation of His Word, even when we're being attacked by the storms of this life. Today, we'll hear from Ross Miller, Senior Pastor of Evermore Community Church in Hartville, Ohio. This message was recorded during the Annual Fellowship of Evangelical Churches Conference in July 2019. As you looked at the introduction page to this conference, there's definitely some alarming statistics, aren't there? Alarming statistics. How people are disengaged from God and from the mission that He calls us to do. We see it in our churches, we see it in our church, It's becoming harder and harder to get volunteers. We see people coming once a month and they think that's regular attendance. We see a lack of loyalty, and there's many things that are going on as the culture changes. We see outside influences grabbing people's time. Youth sports has just unreal, what youth sports is doing. I love sports. In fact, I'm hearing again that this year the Browns are going to win the Super Bowl it's, it, it happens every year. Even when we win 0-16, Browns are gonna win the Super Bowl. I love sports, but it grabs the attention of our families and of our people. How important it is for us to be dealing with this topic. Engage, engaging with God and engaging with our culture. You know, it's something that Jesus sought to teach his disciples in word and in deed. If you look at Matthew 26, Verses 30 to 35, it says, And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to them, You will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered him, Though they all fall away, because of you, I will never fall away. Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, This very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same. Peter talked a good talk, didn't he? I will never fall away. Even if I have to die with you, I will be there by your side. But when the going got tough, Peter denies Jesus. All the disciples scatter as Jesus is crucified upon the cross. But then the good news came, amen? On the third day he rose, he came back from the dead, he reinstated Peter, and something happened to the disciples. After the resurrection, the disengaged become engaged. As we see their heart for mission, they became different men. They were bold, they were willing to die. You can see that passion and that urgency in them to spread the good news and to spread the gospel. Surrendering it all to take the good news Jerusalem, Samaria, Judea, and to the ends of the earth. John 3.16 is a passage that we know very well. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. This is what it's all about. This is what it's all about. We are living in a day where many churches, many denominations are getting off track. They're going all these different directions. They're forgetting This is the heart of the gospel. Jesus loved us so much that he sent his one and only son for each of you and for me. We were on his mind as he was there upon the cross. He took our place, he paid the price so that we could be forgiven, so that we could spend eternal life with him. The world is looking for answers. Children are killing themselves, the opiate crisis, I mean, I don't have to tell you about the news, I could go on and on. We have the answer. The answer is Jesus Christ. That is the answer. And we need to get out into our world and tell them what that answer is. Because you see, Jesus commands us to go and make disciples. It's not optional. It's not if you feel like it. It's not maybe. It's not a suggestion. It's a commandment. Go and make disciples. Why is that so important? We're all familiar with the tragic sinking of the Titanic. After the disaster, the next day, there were two lists outside the White Star Lines in Liverpool where the Titanic uh, went from. Hundreds of relatives came to look at these two lists that were outside the offices to see what had happened to their loved ones. The two lists were known to be saved, known to be lost. Those were the two lists, the names were listed underneath. Those same two lists exist today. You are either saved and going to heaven, or you are lost and you are going to hell. But the good news is, there's room for everyone who accepts Jesus as their personal savior. See, the Titanic didn't have enough lifeboats, but the ones that they put out, there was about 1178 seats but only 706 people were saved. And after the tragedy, they asked those who were saved, why didn't you go back? You had room in your boat. Why didn't you go back and save those who were in the water? The answer was very consistent. We were afraid. We were afraid that they would tip us over and we also would be lost. What keeps us from sharing the good news? Too often we're too busy to afraid, to preoccupied, to go and to share the good news that move people from the known-to-be-lost list to the known-to-be-saved list. How do we go from spectator to participant? How do we engage in spreading the good news of Jesus Christ? I'm the first, again, of four speakers. I'll be centering on overseas mission. God's agenda, our agenda, Second Peter 3, eight through nine. Do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, if some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish. Let me say that again. Not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance, not wishing that any should perish. Do we understand God's heart? Do we understand God's priorities for the church? God has created all people. He loves all people. He wants everyone in heaven. But of course we have to make that choice. I believe to move from being disengaged to engaged in missions, it begins by being engaged with God. It begins by being engaged with God to have an alive, active relationship with Him, seeking to know Him more, through prayer, through Bible study, through fellowship, tying ourselves into the ultimate power, which is God. There was a young lawyer who was just starting out, and he was kind of setting up his desk, and he saw somebody walking towards him, so he thought, oh, he wanted us to look really important, so he picked up his phone and started talking on the phone and said, yeah, I have a court date, It's gonna be one o'clock, 30, 4 o'clock, I, I can maybe get you in tomorrow, would that be okay, and on and on he went. The guy came to his desk, he hung up the phone, he looked at the guy and said, well, how can I help you? And the man said, I'm here to hook up your phone. The God of the universe wants us to know him. The God of the universe wants us to know him, and we must be engaged with God to be engaged in missions. I sat in a church, in City Soleil, Haiti. 300,000 people living on the city dump. Extreme poverty. The conditions there are just absolutely awful. Children hanging all over you looking for attention. We were working with the local church there to try to support them. We did a prayer walk and as we walked around City Soleil, we had people hissing at us, people growling at us, people spitting on us. You could just feel the darkness. You could feel the evil in that place. And yet the church had experienced great success. And they talked about people coming to Christ. They talked about how the darkness has been pushed back and just the way that they were affecting people there in City Slay. That touches your heart. That touches your heart. See, when you're engaged with God, when you see him at work, when your prayers are answered, when miracles happen, when you feel his presence, you become engaged and you want more of that. You become fired up, your heart is changed. You're confronted with your own self-centeredness and your outlooks and priorities change as it helps us to capture God's agenda. As pastors and leaders, if you want your congregation to be engaged, you have to be engaged. Pastors and leaders, we are the gatekeepers. To our churches, let's be honest. We are the gatekeepers. What I'm excited about, my congregation will be excited about. We have to take the lead and not only being engaged with God, but also being engaged with missions. As we're excited about missions, that translates down to our congregation. I would encourage you to go overseas. It will change you, I guarantee you. It will change your ministry. It will change how you look at life and it will help God's agenda become our agenda. The second thing then is to partner with each other. Ephesians 4, to 16. It says, and, as he, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, When every part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. God has equipped us to do ministry as the body. As it says, Christ is the head. We are all joined together. And when it's working properly, we carry out God's mission to the world. We all have different gifts. And I'm looking at it, both not only individuals within the congregation, but also together as congregations in a common theme. Doing together what we can't do apart. Doing together what we can't do apart, both in our churches and our churches together. When I was pastoring in Holmes County, Ohio, there was a young lady who was called to Mongolia in 1992. There were five or six of us churches that partnered together it was called the Mongolia Partnership, and we came together to support this lady as she went over into Mongolia. There was one Christian in the whole country of Mongolia at this point, one Christian. Communists fell, the doors opened up. There was many groups that were going in. We partnered with a mission or organization. There was probably about 24 or 25 different mission organizations that then went into Mongolia. And as we worked together as churches, it was just wonderful as we spurred one another on. We actually ended up sending six different family units. At one point, they were there all by themselves, or all together. Of course, they had to go undercover. You couldn't go in as a missionary. So we set up a family farm. We had somebody working for Habitat, uh, somebody working at a library. We put them undercover as they then spread the gospel in that country. We raised $150,000 a year, that was all above budget as we worked together as churches. We saw God at work. We saw lives changed. One of the stories that I remember is the town drunks, there were two guys. Every day they were drunk, laying in in their filth on the side of the street. One of them came to Christ. A couple months later, the second guy came to Christ. Six months later, they became pastors of the church. And people in Mongolia said, if that's what Jesus can do, I want Jesus. I want Jesus. And off the church went as the church began to grow and multiply. We would send a team over once a year, anywhere from 10 to 20 people would go over to Mongolia to support them, to walk alongside of them. We also brought Mongolians over here several times to learn cabinet making and to do other things. It was a great partnership. Again, I'm gonna be talking about this here in a little bit, a partnership with the Mongolian church. We saw amazing things happen that only God can do. And I wanna make it very clear. In all these stories, it's not us, it is God. God gets all the glory and honor. Today, there is over 60,000 Christians in Mongolia. As God continues, to tear through that country, amen. God gets the glory, God gets the glory. But see, there was an additional benefit to us partnering together as five or six different churches because we started asking, okay, if we can, with God's help, do this in Mongolia, is there anything else? We planted a church in Dover, Ohio, together. We then built a young adult center that's just outside of Walnut Creek that is, right, is still there today after 17, 18 years. We built that trust with each other, that we knew we could do these other projects. There wasn't any territory, there wasn't any turf. We laid that all down. We said, we are going to work together as churches because we're gonna do together what we can't do apart. And God honored that, and we did amazing things with his help. You see, we need each other. We need each other. It's time for us to quit building our own kingdoms and build God's kingdom. As pastors, and I deal with this too, it's so easy for us to get caught up in the numbers and this and that and how big and this. God doesn't care about that. He doesn't care about worldly success and it's been so helpful for me to know that God calls me to be faithful, that's it. He calls me to be faithful. He'll take care of this success stuff I just have to be faithful as a pastor, and that has been so freeing for me. Overseas missions has changed our church. It has brought new energy, it has brought new focus, it's brought a new level of engagement. Just to have people sitting together. You know, when you can get somebody up in front of the congregation and say, hey, I'm going to Texas, I'm going to Mexico, I'm going to Mongolia, who will join me? Who will join me. Such a powerful impact. And on these trips, you get to know people that you didn't even know. It draws them together, not only to God, but also draws them to each other. It helps us to be outward focused rather than inward focus. It strengthens relationships between churches. We are on the same team, working arm in arms. And that's what spurring one another is. Sometimes. We were struggling with the budget. We had a lot of of money to go yet. Church would step up and say, we can do this, we can do this, we can do that. It held each other accountable. It was a beautiful, beautiful partnership as we worked together. You see, when we engage God and partner together as God's body, God is glorified and his kingdom advances. Thirdly, it's important for us to walk alongside people we serve. Ephesians 2, 11 to 13. Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. Remember, we once were separated from Christ. We were foreigners, we were Gentiles. But because of Jesus Christ, we have become sons and daughters of the living God. And we have become brothers and sisters of those around the world. When we do overseas missions, there is no room for arrogance. So many times we as North Americans, and I had this mentality too, I'm here to help you, poor person. I have all the money, I have all the expertise. We're gonna come in and we're gonna tell you what you need. That isn't missions, and I'm glad that is really changing. I know that's changing in the FEC, it's changing in many other areas. People we serve are our partners. The people we serve are our partners. I did a mission trip in Ecuador, and one of the individuals came to me, and he said, I feel sorry for you. I will pray for you. And I had to think to myself, why would you be sorry for me? I mean, you live in a shack and a ground floor, and you don't have anything. Why would you feel sorry for me? So I asked him, I said, why do you feel sorry for me? He said, I know you have so many distractions with all the stuff that you have. It's gotta be hard to follow Jesus. He said, we're so poor here, we have nothing. There's nothing that can distract us. Wow, that just hit me. That hit me like a pile of bricks. People that we go to serve can teach us so very, very much. We are partners with them, working together, teaching each other, encouraging them, challenging them, supporting each other. Our attitude has to be, we are coming to serve you. We are coming to seek direction from you. How can we help you in your ministry? Give us guidance and direction. It's not about us. It's not about how we can partner and walk alongside. We have brothers and sisters in Christ all over the world and God is doing amazing things. Muslims are coming to Christ in record numbers but they are facing extreme persecution. There's a video that I showed at church several months ago of two ladies who were Muslims and the daughter there was just such hopelessness and and you hear that from people who are following Muslim faith so many times when they come to Christ. Just just that darkness and just that not wanting to live and not wanting to go on. And so she decided she was gonna kill herself. Her mother had MS. And so her mother said, well if you're gonna kill yourself, you gotta kill me too. They were watching a program on TV and he was talking about the gospel. And the mother was watching the program and she called into the program. And she talked to this man about Jesus Christ. She accepted Jesus as her savior. The daughter was furious. She grabbed the phone and said, how can you do this? How can you accept Jesus? You're gonna be an infidel. You're gonna be persecuted by your family. Why would you bring that on our family? Why would you do that? And the man talked with her for about an hour. He said to her, give Jesus a chance. Give Jesus a chance. You can kill yourself next week if you want to, but at least give Jesus a chance. The next week, the next morning she woke up. She heard her mother walking in the hallway. She said, what has happened? The mother said, my MS is gone. My MS is gone. So she quick took her mother to the hospital, took her to the doctor and said, what has happened here? What's going on? The doctor said, she's healed. She's completely healed. What Iman did you go to, which is the leader of Muslim faith? What Iman prayed for her? A smile came over her face. She said that it wasn't an Iman. It was Jesus Christ. And both are living in Iraq now, being missionaries to those who are there. It's just amazing to see how God is working, to hear the stories and to see the miracles. That alone should get us fired up. I get Voice of the Martyrs, their magazine. And every time I get it and read the stories, these are people who are living for Jesus Christ. And again, when you go from the Muslim faith to become a Christian, I mean, the stories are just horrific. Children being killed, they're being persecuted by their families, they have to flee. It just goes on and on and on. When I read those stories, it confronts me, and it changes my heart. And I think, how pitiful can I be at times? How can I complain when my coffee doesn't come too fast? How can I complain when I'm at a restaurant? It just confronts my heart, and it makes me say, I have to stand with my brothers and sisters who are being persecuted, because their testimony is the same. Number one, they say we will never, ever leave Jesus Christ. Don't care what happens, I will never turn my back on Jesus Christ. Number two, and sometimes it's a process, I will forgive those who have done this to me. Our brothers and sisters around the world are suffering for Jesus. We have to stand by them, arm in arm in the name of Jesus Christ. It's so important to view the people that we serve as our partners. They're not our project, they're our partners and they have so much to teach us. Well, something happened to Peter in Acts 5. It says, and when they had brought them, they set them before the council and the high priest questioned them saying, we strictly charged you not to teach in this name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. We must obey God rather than man. Rather than men. These guys become completely different. They're transformed by a resurrected Christ. You see, as we engage with God, as we engage with Jesus, we become motivated to engage with our culture. God is calling us to go into the world and to make disciples. Are we listening? My prayer is that as we know God more, as we partner with each other, and as we partner with those we serve, we will engage with the mission at hand. We have to stop building our kingdoms and join together and build God's kingdom. We have to reject the world's influence and center on God's call so that our attitude will be, here am I, send me. Many thanks to Shepherd Chevrolet GMC who made this morning's program possible. To learn more about Firm Foundations or the churches and ministries of FEC, please go to fecministries.org.